Greetings, gamers. I'm Ben Roth. I'm Shoot the Foul. And I'm Prof Jeff. And you're listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. everybody happy new year and we are back to welcome in 2021 with a very special guest returning for episode 11 once again (laughs) Uh, maybe that will make this a a seasonal thing (laughs) but Mm. with um, very good friends and fellow VGM lover Prof Jeff yes yay and yeah welcome back man how's it been it's been 2020. <laughs> it has been. Uh, yeah, because we actually recorded our first episode way back in like March or April. Like, it was pretty early in the year. It's one of the first ones we recorded. In the before times. Yeah, before the, the before plague times. hit. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. It's been 2020. But you know what? Now it's 2021, at least as people are hearing this. Even though it's really just still late December of 2020. You see lab music. <laughs> right. So, it's not. It's Is your son illiterate? <laughs> that's, not, that's not like a literary thing. But what, what would be the, the musical version? Inaudible. Of He's inaudible. Inaudible. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anywho. Uh, confusion. Confusion. Audible confusion. about you haven't said many words. What are we talking about? Platformers. Oh, yeah, so we're going to have, like, Mario and and Kirby and Sonic and and Bonk. Bonk. And, and all, all the, like, <laughs> and, and all the, like, main, main, like, platform people, like Shovel Knight and Shate from, like, the new era, right? All the big, like, good, well-known names. Yeah. Bonk. Yeah. Yes. Bonk. I've got all my tracks loaded up. It's all Mario stuff all the time, because you know, you know how, 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 how we be. What are we going to... You're not picking up on the joke here, Shukapal. You're supposed to correct me and tell me what we're actually doing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you bitter about it? Uh, because I made you like not pick some of your songs that you wanted to pick? Yeah, I, I wanted to pick Hollywood. So you mean you deplatformed him? Well, I tell you what. I will guarantee you that eventually... I Hollow Knight and Fall Guys. I will guarantee you that we will eventually play, like, do just a whole Hollow Knight episode. That, that means you didn't get a... That, no, you got a Hollow Victory. and you get to pick all the tracks on that one yeah yeah but you did get to pick five tracks tonight and uh i picked four and prof jeff also picked five five i'm holding up my hand and you can't see it yeah (laughs) including uh including our first track for this evening what are we going to be because oh yeah we're not actually doing like all the main top tier platformers that was actually one of the things we talked about yeah and you said bonk and i was extremely triggered and i had to register my outrage just like the time he referred to goemon mystical ninja as the most single most recognizable uh mascot of the konami company <laughs> i did yes i, did. I even put I, it, I made an explicit note of this in my email to you well i talked to your manager that's right who, who do you think is the single most recognizable yes. konami so the best the best and also most recognizable um, and if you don't, you will regret it. Uh, mascot of the Konami, um, let's see, what was it? Publisher. The Konami yes. publisher in the 90s would be Rocket Knight Sparkster of Rocket Knight Adventures. And we are going to play in with stage 1-1 from Rocket Knight Adventures on the Genesis. 
Alright, so that was composed by Masanori Ochi, Akihata, Michiro Yamane, uh, Masanori Adachi, Hiroshi Kobayashi, and Akira Yamaoka. And we don't know which one it is because there were many composers, correct? Correct. Uh, this was back when the Konami team was doing a lot of, like, well, they were not the only publisher that did this. Uh, Falcom actually also started famously doing this. But there was the Konami Kukeha Club, or something like that, which basically was all of their composers, and they would kind of like get together. And I don't know if they would hive mind songs or if they would just like each compose things and then kind of decide to put all their names on it. Uh, some of this was to, at least with Falcom, it was to protect the company from their all their best composers being scalped because like they were famous for like super big good music uh, as happened early in Falcom's uh, interesting um, area so that's why Falcom developed their Falcom sound team JDK and now it's pretty difficult to find out who composes specifically which song but I don't know if that's why Code Konami did it but I do know that a lot of those names you read I, I know um, uh, Akira Yamada or Akira Yamaoka, Yamaoka. Masanori Ochi yep there was a Omichiro Yamane is one of the yeah. big names, big big names. That's uh, the Castlevania lady. So mm. yeah, um, and so, doesn't sound like Castlevania though. Yeah, this does not. <laughs> this doesn't sound like anything Konami from like that I remember from today. This was really really good. Uh, Chukapau, what words do you have about this? That was pretty cool. How did this uh, stack up with uh, some of the more like orchestrated stuff that we played back on like our winter episodes? Um, this won't open a can of worms at all. How do you feel about these retro, like, um, sampled sounds and FM synth sounds as, as opposed to, like, modern synths and instrumental sounds? Like real instrumental uh, sounds? I guess I like the modern sound better, but chiptune's cool. Well, this isn't strictly chiptune. This is kind of like an in-between thing. Um, Whatever which, this is, is cool. Yeah. <laughs> the retro sound. Prop Jeff. The retro sound. Uh, picked from Rocket Knight because... Adventures. We, Rocket, Rocket Knight Adventures. Just Rocket Knight is the name of the sequel that nobody liked. That was remade <laughs> a few years ago. The sequel that nobody liked. We will definitely get into that in a second because I do have some questions about this mm-hmm. uh, lesser understood series. Yes. Um, and at least by me and by some other people on the community that I know uh, because it's come up before. But we decided to talk about platformers that are maybe slightly less well-known, could either deserve a little more time in the spotlight. Some of these I actually had never heard of before this episode. Um, And some of the ones that Shukapal brought are just not like as mainstream. Uh, They're more indie published or they're... um, yeah, uh, we basically have... It's not the A-tier stuff that we brought tonight, but it definitely is A-tier level VGM. And this was really cool. I liked... Uh, they were doing a lot more symphonic sounds than the Genesis was super known for, and they made it sound pretty good. But with a, with a pedigree like Konami's music team, that's not too surprising. So, tell us about why you picked this track and your history with Sparkster, the lovable armored rodent. So I have a number... The eponymous opossum, as I like to call them. Yes. Um, so, so by which I mean, Sparkster is the rocket knight. He's a knight who is also a possum, and he has a jetpack and a sword. And he can also, yeah. like, climb things with his tail when he's not jetpacking and hitting things with his sword. That's totally prehensile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I own this on the Sega Genesis uh, when, I, when I was... 
a kid. It was we had like Sonic three. We didn't have Sonic two. We had Sonic one, and this game, like especially this track, it really kind of sticks out for what platformers feel like playing them. It's kind of sticks with me because it's that really synthy sound, but like the the coordinate the um, composing is like more orchestral mm-hmm. and. Like, especially this song, um, you mentioned Bedroth, that it was reminded you of Pokemon, which I can guess that sort of sort of combative, like, Coliseum-ish rift well, at the beginning. Yeah, uh, the da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It, it reminded me of some of the stuff I've heard from, like, the Root themes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And, uh, I mean, you're the Pokemon expert, Chukapa. Yeah. Do you think that, that I, I feel like that rift would be right at home in a Pokemon game. Yeah, I actually, what it reminds me of is it reminds me of the overworld theme from Zelda, because it's very adventurous, but also a little bit like the Star Wars theme from A New Hope, because it kind of goes different places. It does, and there is definitely something about the sound of the instrument choices that they used, uh, Mm -hmm. that it... I think it plays up the rocket aspect of this because it definitely it sounds spacey, it sounds sci-fi, yeah. And uh, it made me think a little bit of the opening theme to uh, an NES um, NES game, not a platformer really at all. It's more of a like a side-scrolling shooter, and then a sort of early like proto Metroidvania uh, called Air Fortress. That's hmm. a, a really really cool soundtrack, and the game is pretty fun as well. Um, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, there were also some Rocket Knight games on the SNES. Uh, there was Sparkster. I think there was exactly SNES. one. And I thought Rocket Knight Adventures came out on both. No, so there was there was Rocket Knight Adventures on the Genesis. That mm-hmm. was the first game and the only game worth being, playing, honestly. Because Sparkster is like the sequel. Yeah. But it was on the SNES. It was on both. Oh, it was on both. Okay. Yeah, but it's also two different versions of the same game that are also more or less different games with the same name. Interesting. One of them is just Sparkster, and the other one is Sparkster, colon, Rocket Knight Adventures 2. But the one with the colon, Rocket Knight Adventures 2, is on the SNES, which actually didn't have Rocket Knight Adventures for the same system. <laughs> um, someone did a video on this. Um, ah, well, if I can find that, or if you can send it to me, I'll link it yeah. in the show notes. And then the fourth, like the fourth game in the series was just Rocket Knight, and that was a few... I think that was like on the Xbox Store or something. It's also mm-hmm. on Steam. It's it's not it's not good, yeah. and it has doesn't doesn't have good music either. Oh, that's sad. Um, and I mean, it might be it might be an okay game, but it just with the legacy that can't yeah. live up to as Konami's single best series of all time, at least for <laughs> mascot platformers. Mascot platformers. I think um, that if you're gonna say best Konami series of all time, you've also got like Castlevania to reckon with. Yeah, um, it would be fun if you could like have another sequel that was as good as not Rocket Knight Adventures, but then you could like shank some mystical ninjas in it. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and going on. <laughs> is more of a, an adventure game mm-hmm. than a platform game, um, really. Uh, but yeah, you're right. As far as platforming mascot games, Sparkster is really it for Konami. And um, very... I mean, it so- sounds really cool. From the gameplay that I have seen, this is a game I would have enjoyed if I had ever picked it up. Just by luck of the draw, it wasn't one of the Genesis games I had. But seems like it would be pretty cool. That whole uh, same game, different name thing reminds me of some uh, Pixel Tunes Radio and uh, maybe XVGM episodes, although I might be mixing them up because of Mike uh, being on both of them. But they actually have done that thing before where it's like two different games Mm. that have the same name, but they're on different systems and they're basically like different games from each other. They might actually have done Sparkster and Sparkster 2, the Rocket Knights Adventure 2, whatever. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Game with a mouthful of a title. 
Uh, but you know what? This actually brings us kind of back to my first track of the night, because I am also doing a mascot platformer. Um, during this era, the early 90s, my game is actually also from 1993, and it was also on the Genesis. It was not a Konami title, though. I don't recall who the publisher of this one was, but, you know, you can look it up. I first heard of this game as a Sonic clone. That seems to be fitting, because the Wikipedia entry just says this game has been criticized for too closely resembling Sonic the Hedgehog. That's, like, all that's in it. It doesn't have a synopsis of the gameplay or anything. Impressive. Yeah. Um, so apparently this game is a lot like Sonic, but it's got some pretty funky music. I like it a lot. Um, it was called... Time Dominator in Japan and some other games, mm -hmm. some other countries, um, and it is about a time-traveling, like, robotic duck creature thing. Uh, here in the U.S., it was just called Socket, and we are going to be listening to Time Castle. Castle from Socket, composed by Fumito Tamayama, Yoko Suzuki, and Shigenori Masuko. Masuko. Shigenori Masuko. <laughs> uh, released for the Genesis in 1993. Uh, these two games don't sound like they were composed in the same time period to me. Like, we're on the same system. Yeah, it's, this is a very different sound from the Rocket Knights sound. In some ways, this is actually what I more associate with Genesis music. Yeah. Um, I think I found that the publisher for this game was Vic Tokai. This was not one of like the big the big ones. Um, uh, and from what I remember, Socket, Time Dominator, it definitely it's totally a Sonic clone. Um, but you play as this robotic bird creature who has to go back in time to various different places in order to stop a mad scientist from doing some kind of evil thing. So... Mm -hmm. So it's like edgy flicky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but this was... I, I liked this a lot. It was really crunchy. Um, I, that bass was a lot of fun. Um, it, I think that this song and the Rocket Knight song show the breadth of what Genesis Sound Hardware could do. Um, what do you think? If uh, Chikapau, if anybody had played these two songs for you, would you have guessed them to be on the same system? No. <laughs> Did anything stand out to you instrument-wise on this track? Uh... I guess that like that like high pitched melody sound. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that, that's a uh, yeah the high synth sound. 
I, I would call that like a flute scent, like a woodwind type scent. I think that's that's what it's supposed to be, maybe trying to be. Whereas on the Rocket Night, we definitely heard that trumpet-ish, the brass scent. Yeah. Um, but this is a very, it's a different style. This is more of, of a techno style, whereas the Rocket Night was going for a more orchestral, like, or film score, like, swelling, epic feel. And, um... With the percussion line on this track, it was it was giving me a lot of like um, Maniac Mansion vibes. Have you heard the Maniac Mansion soundtrack from any of us? Let's play it for you sometime. You'll you'll hear the drums, but it's really cool. It's Maniac Mansion. Um, I forget offhand who the composers are, but I, I heard an interview uh, with one of the lead composers, and they basically did what a lot of Western composers did, and they kind of had to reverse engineer how the sound worked on the system. Uh, the NES, and come up with basically their own way to make sounds on it, and it's a really, really rocking and really different sounding soundtrack for that. Is the game good? Oh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a point-and-click adventure game. You play as a bunch of teens who are, again, trying to stop a mad scientist. This time, they are, like, harboring this rogue like sentient meteor that has crashed to earth and is trying to destroy the world. Um, one of the endings is you talk the meteor into getting an agent and going on TV and becoming a famous person. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of game it is. It's a LucasArts game. Definitely quirky humor. It's a lot of fun. See, with Rocket Knight, you're just trying to kill the pig emperor for stealing your princess. <laughs> See, that's straightforward. That's That sounds slightly like another game I've heard before, but <laughs> killing pig emperors and saving princesses. Do, 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 Although that's not a platform game. Do, 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 um, the second do, do, Link's, Link's uh, <laughs> yeah, Link's Adventure was. But <laughs> Except nope. the pig emperor is already dead in Zelda 2. Oh, really? Who do you fight in Zelda 2? Your shadow. Oh. Yeah, Link's shadow is the final boss. But we didn't pick that song tonight, even though it is a platformer, because it's definitely not like yeah, second tier. Yeah, I platform away series. from people when I'm exercising my strategy of just don't die in Smash Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> which backfires when I realize I I spent so much time not dying that I don't know how to kill, and so I just kind of flip and flop. <laughs> it's kill or be killed. Yeah, we did, we did practice a lot of Smash Brothers tonight, and uh, definitely time dominated us. For the most part, I mean shoot kapow. Ah, I'll have to bleep that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so shoot kapow, shoot kapow, shoot kapow, shoot kapow, shoot kapow. What is your first track of the evening going to be? Um, I'm bringing something from a platformer that I got into a little bit ago and haven't played very much of it. I think but I uh, but uh, RJ RJ likes it a lot, and it has fantastic music. Mm-hmm. And um, the main character, Madeline, actually got a moveset made for her by uh, BrawlFan1, who makes Smash movesets on the internet. Yep. I could not see Madeline in Smash Bros. It's it's kind of ant- antithetical to her nature. Although you could probably say that about some of the Smash Bros. characters anyway. But it doesn't really seem to fit the vibe of Celeste to me. <laughs> and what are we going to be listening to from Celeste? We are going to be listening to First Steps, the song that plays in the Forsaken City, which is the first level, which is why it's called First Steps.
that was Forsaken City from Celeste, released in 2018 uh, for many systems and composed by Lena Rain. The remix, the B-side, which is officially in the game as a remix, was composed by Maxo. Yes, the moniker of Max Coburn, um, and uh, he's actually a member of Materia Collective, a big uh, collection of composers and remixers and stuff like that. And yeah, you're right. Do you remember how the B-sides like function in Celeste? Um, I mean, I know they're like little collectibles that you can pick up. Yes, and when you pick up a B-side in a level, it actually unlocks the B-side version of that level, not just the music, but an actual oh, like, yeah. the level itself. Like. It's the same mechanics of its chapter, but it's, like, harder. <laughs> and so this is the music that plays on the Forsaken City's B-side. So, yeah. This was really cool. Prop Jeff, what did you think of this? I thought it was a really nice layering of sounds. I like that kind of whooshing, the sort of fadey sense in that one little sound that sounds like someone's put a, throwing sand through a sifter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it was layered with the piano and the high synth. Yeah, the sound production on Celeste was just off the charts. It was really, really, really well done. Um, I really liked that the lead, uh, like the keyboard sound, and also that um, that's the lead sense, uh, which is also, I believe, the same sound that it's not thought that's used for Madeline's voice in the game, her singing and talking voices. Um, uh, there, I should say, their singing and talking voices. Um, but it's, yeah, this, this was really, really cool. Nice big Shukapow, and I'm glad we picked something that, even though Celeste is, is, is kind of well known, it's different because the whole gaming scene is different now than it was when, when you and I were kids, Prop Jeff. It's, uh, and that was also a different times, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, that's, because back then, you could have things that really dominated the, the zeitgeist, like Mario and Sonic and their big super rivalry. Um, now, you have a whole lot more, like, there, you still have big AAA titles, um, and of course Mario is still doing his thing. They're glitchy and really expensive, though. <laughs> yeah, and um, then you have to, like, pay for the patch that supposedly is going to fix the glitches, but let's not go there. Uh, but then you have this awesome, wonderful indie scene that has, like, blossomed uh, out of largely one of the the same tradition that launched one of the games that you're going to be talking about. Two of the games I think you're going to be talking about tonight, Super Crash, so we'll come back to that. But Celeste is a really perfect example of that. So, not a top-tier platformer. But to its audience, it is as beloved as any like you know mainline platform game that you that you can see. So. I also like that the piano gives the song like a sense of foreboding, like mm-hmm. you're looking at the sheer side of a mountain. Uh, yes, it's, it's interesting that you know that combination of you know plotting and composing kind of lends this kind of impression. Yeah, it does, yeah. The, the, the atmosphere in Celeste is, is exquisitely crafted. The whole team just did a really, really bang-up job. Yeah, what are you going to follow that with, sir? Alright, so I'm going to do a little known, probably not, in, I guess indie, maybe small scale, um, a little known title called Donk the Samurai Duck. Um, before we start, <laughs> I want... So this is, you know, we got mountains, we got sort of a high spiritual sound. Like, what do you guys think when you think of a samurai duck? What would that soundtrack sound like? I don't know. Honestly, I picture... Trumpets. Trumpets, you think? Trumpets. Like squawking trumpets? trumpets? (laughs) 
quacking trumpets with a mute, like a rattly one? I picture Donald Duck and Samurai get up, and so I'm getting some of the old, like, Disney silly symphony sounds in my brain. Okay, I was, I was thinking of, like, the sort of wood blocks and, you know, those the kabuki chants and, but with an you know, tonka like drums. Donk, this doesn't sound like a super reverent samurai yeah. game, so I could also see this maybe being made by a Western studio, and therefore having kind of more Western rock scent electronic sensibilities. I don't know. Although in their defense, Donk is a noise that a Tonka drum makes. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, let's listen to the main title of Donk. This is performed by Fate! Exclamation point. Yes. Um, and this is the Amiga CD32 version, published in 1994. Once again, this is the main title of Donk! Exclamation point. Samurai Duck! <laughs> So, once again, that was the main title theme of Donk the Samurai Duck, composed by Fate! Exclamation point. 
I think uh, the composer I was looking at, based on the YouTube video I saw, the composer was Tim Erickson mm-hmm. for at least the game. I don't know if he composed this title theme and then Fate performed it, or if it was just a song by Fate. Do you know? No. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the rest of the soundtrack. This is not what I expected to hear when you asked me about a game called Doc the Samurai. <laughs> this... This was really fun. This was really good. I liked it a lot. Chukabow. Um Okay, first off, Chukabow. What'd you think of the song? It was interesting. Did you like it? <laughs> this isn't really your style, is it? Nah. This is kind of a jazz fusion, sort of like late pseudo-disco kind of track. I'm well, not totally sure how I would categorize it. So part of this is me getting revenge for not having a Sonic episode. So this is actually <laughs> this is like a stealth Sonic R game. Like it's a Sonic it's like a song from Sonic R if you've ever heard that soundtrack, which is one of the yeah. best in the last um, however many decades sun. that was. I can feel the sunshine. I was gonna say I was gonna say <laughs> that it was one decade, but that is that is not the case. No, I don't think um, so. But... But yeah, I, I could hear this in Sonic R for sure. And I also highly recommend anyone looks at the title screen because Donk has this giant, hyper detailed anthropomorphic hand yes, reaching it's a out at you. Human hand because it, so it wants it wants you to touch heaven too. Apparently, <laughs> and the lyrics are all about trusting who you are and like and it, feel, you it know, feels good to me and opening your mind. <laughs> going going to heaven with this duck. So maybe this is like the song that was playing in the head of whoever the lady is and Howard the Duck. Yeah, or, you know, or me when I'm trying to get a wine bottle open and the corkscrew isn't cooperating with me. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know if that's a euphemism or not, because we're dancing on the edge of our rating here. Alright, oh, man. I liked this song. Shukapau, what system do you think that this was released for? What did this sound like to you? Hmm. Almost sounded like, like Wii U. I guess. So this sounded like a late system, later system to you. So do you think this was CD audio? Uh, it was definitely CD audio. CD. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, sort of. So you can tell it's not like FM Sense or Samples or like Chiptune. Um, the vocal quality is way too clean. That's because this was on a CD system, not the Sega CD, and not the TurboGrafx CD or PC Engine CD for those of you outside the States. This was released on the Amiga CD32. Which, mm. if you'd been listening when Prof Jeff read in the track, you would have known that. But that's okay, because <laughs> you are 15. <laughs> and then I don't get to ask you these things. And as a 15-year-old, he would probably appreciate the joke, which is that I first heard of this game on... Um, I was watching Guru Larry, mm-hmm. and he had top five games whose names changed for stupid reasons. <laughs> and this was originally Dong the Samurai Duck. <laughs> because they, they, just wanted, they just thought it was funny. And from what I saw, the like it was like the British, um, I don't know, the British equivalent of the FCC made them change it or something because they thought it would be were the British publishers or something like that. So acor- yeah, according to Larry, the the game ch- changed hands with publishers, and the publishers forced, or maybe it was it was either the publishers or it was a store or both. Because uh, so they, they didn't want a game that just had dong on the on the box. They thought it would be. Uh, um, yeah. But the other names are remain intact. So if you have player two, it's just uh, judo jugs, which is just a duck and a gi. And then you have um, the villain, which is big bad dick. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> this game's 
sounds amazing. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just not like the gaming the game itself. Like the soundtrack is, you know, less remarkable. You don't touch heaven, as far as I'm concerned. Um, okay. And you kind of like it's kind of just a generic platformer, but it has uh, it has a really nice. It has there's a really nice title track that reminds me game. of Sonic R. <laughs> what you say, Shukabel? I think there's going to be more things you're going to be touching in this game. <laughs> well, gems. You have to touch the gems. Uh, oh, yeah. By that, I mean, like, gemstones. Gemstones, not like earthworm gems. Yeah, stones. <laughs> oh, man. Well, game certainly sounds like it has a lot of character. <laughs> oh. At least three. All right. <laughs> well, um... I don't even know how to segue from that. You know what? I was going to play a different track, but I think I'm just going to go to the track I'm playing tonight that has the most character. This is also the game that kind of first made me think about doing this episode because I just wanted an excuse to play something from this game after we first heard about it, Shook Pal. Back on, I think it was the Sword Songs episode when you played the theme... That um, that we hear on the route where you experience the that sword Pokemon, uh, Edge. Yeah, Edge. Yeah. What route is that in X and Y? Uh, I think like five or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like a series of routes, like four, five, six, seven, or something like that. But it was yeah, it was that song. Um, and we were looking up the composer uh, Hideaki Kuroda, who composed that track. And one of the games that he composed for, we realized, was called. Timbo, the bat <laughs> elephant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to bleep that out. Yep, yep. And uh, maybe I'll find a nice elephant sound and we'll throw it in there. I'll say it, say it again a few times so that we can play the elephant sound more. Bat <laughs> elephants. Timbo. It's all in caps, too. Everywhere I looked, it was all caps. Timbo, the bat <laughs> elephant. And if you could picture Rambo, John Rambo, as an elephant, that's Timbo. <laughs> oh, I get the name now. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So from Timbo, the battle <laughs> event, we are going to listen to Battle of Shell City.
That was Stage 1, Battle of Shell City from Tembo, the Battle of <laughs> Elephants. Composed by Hideaki Kuroda and released for PC, PS4, and the X-Bone. Xbox One. <laughs> uh, and on PC, of course, for Steam. And this was released in 2015. Another modern pick for y'all tonight. What did you think, gentlemen? Gentle people. Um, that was really cool. It was, it was very muscular. <laughs> and I love that it was a march and you had the tuba hits as like with the snares and the cymbals. And, you know, of course, the trumpeting elephant. <laughs> yep. But uh, it would be interesting if they remixed this. It would be interesting if they remixed this with woodwinds. <laughs> because you, like, you, have, you know, I mean, you think of horns and trumpets, but having like a woodwind elephant, Timbo and Smash, Timbo <laughs> and Smash, Timbo for Smash. Yes, that would be bad for sure. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of elephant sounds, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So <laughs> a little bit of the story here: Shell City is plunged into a state of emergency after coming under attack from the devastating forces of Phantom, all caps led by a mysterious masked commander. Terrifying war machines emblazoned with skulls tear through the city, leaving a trail of destruction in their wake. As the National Army threatens to contain Phantom, General Krenman sees the mammoth task at hand and calls upon the only thing that stands between Shell City's obliteration and its salvation. The peanut-chompin', villain-stompin', phantom-rompin', badass elephant today, Timbo, the badass elephant. <laughs> Aided by his faithful avian companion Piccolo, not Piccolo, but Piccolo. <laughs> Piccolo. <laughs> oh, special oh. It's up to Timbo to jump, smash, punch, swing, and butt stomp his way through the phantom hordes. How does a how does an elephant punch? Maybe he uses his trunk. As he aims to bring about the end of their tyrannical onslaught. Featuring 17 cleverly designed 2D side-scrolling levels, a whole host of deadly enemies, and a unique comic book-style art, mm. Timbo, the Badass Elephant, is the heaviest action-adventure of the year, weighing in at about 7.5 tons of fun. I'm going to put that on my dating profile, that last bit. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice little gaming... That's a nice little blurb. I think that was from the Steam Shop description, which uh, you said you've seen this game on Steam. Yeah! Have you seen any, like, gameplay? How, how does it look? It looks like a two. It looks like a two D platformer, but with an elephant. But with an elephant. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I like the art style though. It kind of reminds me of I want to say like Gumball or something from Cartoon Network. Yeah, I can see that. But it, ha it has you know nice sort of manga like sensibilities. Those tusks are really nicely animated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was this is really cool, and I wonder like if this game ever comes to Switch, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Um, but I don't know if I'm actually going to get it. That depends on the price. But I definitely will, uh, you know, look into some videos and things like that. Um, don't really want to look too deep into it right now because I don't want to, like, love it and not be able to have it. Because I don't <laughs> really play PC games. So. Yeah, you'd have to address the elephant in the room at some point. Yeah, you would. <laughs> uh, and on that note, <laughs> where are we going next? Um, we're going to a game that was actually released on Switch and that we got pretty recently. Okay. And you started playing a couple of days ago. I did, yeah. Uh, mostly because I made you pick a different track than Hollow Knight. Uh, because um, I can't really say that Hollow Knight is not on about the same level as like Celeste. Uh, it really is. It seems to be slightly more popular. <clears throat> yeah, maybe slightly. Maybe that's just because like, I like it better, so it's more <laughs> popular with me. But 
You've also, we played a lot of Hollow Knight on the show so far, and I wanted to do some new stuff this time around. Um, and so, when you picked the track from this game, I, I did go ahead and start playing it a little bit. So we'll talk about it some when we come back. But what is it? What are we going to be listening to? This is Ancient Castle from Goblin Sword. Ancient Castle from Goblin Sword, released in 2014 for the Switch and composed by Eleftherios Christo... Christoduletos. According to Google, yeah. Um, I saw on an iOS page, where this was originally released on iOS, I think, and then ported oh, yeah. to a bunch of stuff, hey. um, that it was composed by Andrew Riley. Um, so, yeah, not totally sure. But it's a fun little game. This is a nice track. Why do you think you went to Goblin Sword after I made you not play Hollow Knight? <laughs> Swords. Because it's cool. <laughs> Swords. Uh, what were you going to play from Hollow Knight? Uh, the Radiance theme, which is the final, final boss theme. Ah. Spoilers. Yep. I've got a final boss theme on my playlist tonight. Um, this is not the final boss theme. Where, where does this play in the game? Um, Probably in an ancient yeah, castle? It's, it's the second like world area. So I how guess. is this game structured? Is it like Mario, where you just like go from one level to the next, and like there's different worlds? It sounds more yeah, like yeah, a modern there's, castle. There's, there's different worlds, and then it has like, uh, you know, like that phone game style, where it's just like a bunch of different levels. But instead of being like a puzzle game or something like that, each level is a platforming level. Yeah. And you're like jumping around, finding secret areas, and getting pressures, and killing enemies, mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it is a stage by stage, and like it cut, it checks off each stage as you complete it. The area where you start is like the forest or something, right? Mm, yeah. And then the second world is the ancient castle where you actually go to fight the evil like goblin wizard who's the big bad who found the goblin sword which is prophesied to like in the age of man or something like that some big world ending threat the age and of men is over just, just <laughs> some big world ending threat at this point it's just yeah it's 2020 it's the, yeah what's another one just throw it on the pile <laughs> end it quickly well please. i mean i was i was i was i was talking about jrpgs but oh whatever. yeah yeah 
peek up. There's world-ending swords in all the JRPGs. Uh, and usually they're called the Masamune, or Masamune. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is a Pokemon move. Peek up a pal. Mm-hmm. Peek up a pal? Peek up a pal. Sounds like some chicken with too much paprika in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a nice little track, though. Kind of a kind of an amuse-bouche after some of the stuff we've been listening to. I don't know. I'm not a very amuse douche. Uh, uh, I don't know. You're a pretty amusing douche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. What you got for us next? Oh me! I thought we were going to talk about the song. Were we going to talk about the song? Oh yeah. We, we talked. It, about they had, it had music. You had. You talked about the castle. Oh, we did just talk about the castle. What did you think of the song? I liked it. It had seemed pensive. It was interesting because it shows the different dimensions that are in platforming games. Um, which is generally two for the ones that we're looking at. Two dimensions. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's different feelings. You can it, This has pensive, you know, you have this sort of piano that the Celeste track had, but you have the horns. But horns, you know, like sort of conveying a sense of grandeur. I'm thinking, you know, wind fluttering banners and high towers and stuff. On that note, my track, my next track, is also sort of more pensive. Um, the game itself is going to require a little bit of explanation, because unlike normal platformers, where like you jump from one platform to the other platform and like avoid like you know falling in the water and if it, in this game you jump from one pool of water over the platform and you can't jump on the platform and then jump over or it. The um, I actually, I actually tested it extensively to make sure that there was jumping in the game. Oh, and yeah. so from Echo the Dolphin. From the Sega Genesis version, this is Jurassic Beach. So that was Jurassic Beach from Echo the Dolphin. Um, composers for this game included Spencer Nielsen, Nielsen rather, Brian Coburn, and Andres Magyari. Um, the game was developed by Appaloosa Interactive, 
And again, this is the Genesis version 1992. I actually prefer it over the Sega CD because that one takes advantage of the CD sound. The rental audio, yeah. Yeah, but it's also very subtle and it's very layered and, and it's faint enough that it kind of makes me think it was designed for dolphins. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this this is that it it's stark is what it is. Um, do you know much about the Echo story? Um, I remember there's a aliens, yep. a dolphin, and at this point you actually have been taken back in time to like fight the alien queen when it's mm. when it's like able to be killed or something. Is she the one who looks like, like a uh, like a copyright Earthbound. infringement from like the Xenomorphs? Yes. Okay. Sounds yeah. like Earthbound going back in time to fight aliens and kind of Chrono Trigger too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But only that's like a porcupine with a you know what for a face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My cat needs to like put his tail down more often. <laughs> this is actually like yeah this is a Jurassic Beach because you're back in like prehistoric times and I like the uh, the marimba-ish sound I really like the panning on this if you're listening if you're not listening on headphones I would encourage you to go back and this listen to panning the means that the sound is moving back and forth yeah um, that the, there's well really just the stereo mm-hmm. taking advantage of the stereo sound where like some instruments are panned left and some are panned right mm-hmm. um and uh, I, I just I love this. This is classic Genesis sound, and I really it it it, it is polarizing to some extent. But I really like that like farty sample that I've talked about before on this show. Um, I actually really really like the soundtrack to X Men on the Genesis, and a lot of people <laughs> don't. But it's got that sort of grungy like growly again farty like, guitar and bass sound, and I like it a lot. Ah, when you said X Men, I was some music popped into my head, but it was the it was the Konami arcade X Men and not the Genesis one. That is that is great. What does Magneto say at the end? Welcome to die. <laughs> I am Magneto, master of magnet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to have you back for a comic book episode at some point. Although, bruh, yeah. At this point, it would be you and uh, two of my patrons, Kung Fu Carlito and The Last Weekend, because they also both really love comics. Neither oh, of yeah. them, I think, would be as scholarly as you, but Daryl, Last Weekend, would definitely bring the passion. You heard him on the Pokemon episode, and Carlos has just he has this encyclopedic knowledge of things and he can make all of these connections between stuff and I think it would be a really really fun time. Mm-hmm. I, I could, could bring ever... up that Genesis Justice League Task Force game. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could ever network it with you guys I'd probably bring like Batman because <laughs> Batman on the NES is a great soundtrack. Batman on the Genesis it. sounds crazy. Like it doesn't sound remotely like a Batman game. I think that was actually also by the same composer. I think they're both Naoki Kodaka. Mm. Um, he's, he's definitely one of my favorites and um, yeah, I don't know what all I would bring, though. Yeah. Probably something from the um, uh, Marvel Spider-Man that came yeah. out a couple of years ago. You could, kinda... you could fit in a Jurassic Beach there, because you could go to the Savage Land on the coast of Antarctica. Yeah, we could, we could go there. We could, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but this is not about X-Men. This yeah. is <laughs> Echo the Dolphin. Probably the biggest stretch for, for the genre tonight. But you did make a case. Uh, you for said it. jumping in the text, I and I was like, Whoop. "Okay, <laughs> yep." But I, not only that, but I jumped over something. Yeah, there is Whoa. jumping in the game for sure. And this is a little platform. It's like a, it's like a nega, nega and platform. And then if you hit, it's just like, "Ah, no!" And then he just like rolls back into the water. <laughs> oh, poor little dolphin. Yeah, I actually think that you trigger the game to really start by jumping. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess you have to do. Yeah, but you have to talk to the other. Dolphin. 
dolphin first. It's like, hey, see how you can jump. This is not a tutorial at all. We're just we're just hanging out. Yep. This is this is constructive storytelling. Well, good on you for uh, picking up that Spencer Nielsen. Uh, a Nielsen. lot of a lot of podcasters I've, I've heard called him Spencer Nielsen. And, well, my, yeah. my great grandfather was a Nielsen. Actually, in Oklahoma University, there's the Nielsen Building named after him. Oh, cool. uh, he worked on the electro micro, electron microscope there, and so you know, I just want to make sure we weren't related. Not that there's anything wrong with Spencer Nielsen. I would be honored, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we related. Yeah, this would this would be very very cool. Shugapout, any thoughts about Jurassic Beach? This Jurassic Park, he's doing the Jurassic Park thing. John Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think? What did you think about that music? Do I need to play it again for you? Uh, no. It was pretty fun. Yeah. You were a lot more talkative on the winter episodes. This happens on our guest episodes, though. Yeah. We've talked about yes. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just giving yeah, our yeah, guests yeah. more of a chance to shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can never shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so we're going to go from Genesis to... Are we not going to talk about the music? We did talk about the music. Oh, I'm, I, I really, I just said it was marimba and it was farty. So yeah, yeah. tell me, what do you think? Well, about I, the I also, I, I like the loop too. It was after the fart sound. I thought there was music afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so the thing is, is I so I don't like beach levels. I don't like I don't like dinosaur levels. Like I don't even play with the lizard men in Total Warhammer, even though they're like I was. I thought they were like lizard Aztecs, but they don't have enough human sacrifice, so they're lizard Mayans. Um, <laughs> and then. Like, I don't like dolphins either, but I just love how like pensive and meditative this track is. It's just really, it's, I, just, I just, I just vibe with it, man. So you like hate everything else about this level, but the music is great. I haven't gotten to it because I just, I just played long enough to like jump, jump into the alien tractor beam and then jump over the island to make sure I could actually navigate a platform. Echo, which, at which point I did. <laughs> Echo is an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, they have the fans and they just occupy their own little echo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you're so clever. Cleverness. Uh, bringing something new to the podcast. But yeah, actually, my uh, favorite podcaster, Keyglyph, uh, who I've talked about before, this is her, like, one of her favorites of all time. She loves the soundtrack, she loves the game. I mean, a Keyglyph is a thing in Echo the Dolphin. Mm -hmm. like, that's how she got her name. So, yeah, it's cool. Or they, how they, how they got their name. Keyglyph, uh, I forget what they do. I think they're, like, the big gems that when you, like, throw your sonar at them, they spit messages back at you. Yeah, so that's, makes that's, sense. That's a Keyglyph in the game. Cool stuff. Okay, now we can go further. Okay. Alright. So we are going to go from Genesis and Echo the Dolphin back to the Amiga again. And to yet another Sonic clone. Um, actually, this game started out in development as um, Cosmic Kitten, or Claws, which was the main the main character's name, C-L-A-W-S. Uh, and it was going to be a cat, like a, a fast cat. He was going to be like the Amiga's Sonic the Hedgehog. But 
unlike uh, Socket, which I guess those publishers weren't really scared, um, they decided not to do this because they didn't want to have any kind of legal conflict with Sega, who was very, very protective of Sonic at the time. Can they not tell cats and hedgehogs apart? Maybe not with that art style. I don't know, but instead they decided to go with a cave boy who had been brought to, like, modern times by a mad scientist. (laughs) Um... And I don't know the cave boy's name. Oh, okay, no. Known simply as Kid in the game. Um, but yeah, Kid Chaos apparently is the cave boy's name. Oh, I thought you were going to do Bonk and I was going to be really offended. Oh, no, it's not Bonk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not do Bonk. He's just he's too, ma- he's too mainstream. Yeah. He's just like <laughs> yeah. way too, he just has too much fame. Like, I should have let you Celeste, play. like, you know, Hollow Knight, you need to move TF over. I see, uh, yeah, you should have, uh, I should have let you bring Bonk. <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? You can come back when we do, because I know you love that. No, no, I like, I, like, I, want, I, like, I like the Donk over the Bonk. <laughs> well, to each his own. Um, uh, since I know you love dinosaur <laughs> levels so much, you can come back when we do our Caveman Games episode, and you can bring a Bonk track then. Um, this guy could be in the Caveman Games episode, but none of the music in this game sounds anything like any other Caveman game I've ever heard. Um... Very, very techno dubstep electronica infused soundtrack, and a lot of it sounds really kind of samey. But there were two motifs that that I that came that jumped out at me. Each world in this game has like the, a similar sound, like the melody, uh, if you can call it that. Um, but because this is really rhythmic tracks, but each level is a different like twist on that theme. And so it's pretty cool. This one is from the area known as the Toxic Wasteland, which is the second world in the game. And it's the first stage, the Concrete Pathway. Once again, this is from Kid Chaos.
stage 2-1, the concrete pathway from the toxic wasteland area from Kid Chaos. With a K, right? Two Ks? No, just the spell like normal both work. That's not punk enough. I know. This was released in 1994 and they didn't do that. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, this was composed by Pipe Smokers Cough, which is a band, I guess, or a duo comprised of Daniel Davies and Rob Finn. And I don't remember anything about them, because I think I looked it up at one point, but I couldn't find it again. The one of the samples sounded like a pipe smoker's cough. Yeah, yeah this was... Man, th th so this actually was... This may have been the CD32 version. This was released on the uh, Amiga and the Amiga CD32, like your dog. Mm. Um, and again, in 1994. So, but yeah, this was... If you liked this song, listen to the rest of this soundtrack, because it's all going to be totally your jam. Um, I was uh, telling Prof Jeff Chukapow, this is not like 100% my style of music, but I think that if you like this style, it's very good music. So those of you who do like this, and know whether to call it dubstep or trance or electronica or whatever was around industrial. in the 90s. Industrial. Industrial, uh, yeah. Um, I definitely think that it would fit under industrial. Um, so, yeah, if you like this... Yeah, you can also check out the Arcane Machine, uh, hosted by Justin Schneider and Ed Wilson of, respectively, the XVGM podcast and the VGMBassy podcast, every month on their industrial music podcast. So if you like this, go check that out. Uh, what did y'all think of the music? That was good. Uh, you were bouncing back and forth in your chair. You can feel the rhythm. I thought it was very practical, especially if you're driving and someone is like in, tied up in your trunk and they're trying and they're trying to get their way out, but you also want to cover the sound up so that the police don't hear when they're giving you a ticket. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's it's definitely got a driving beat. Yeah, <laughs> it's very practical. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, I'd say this is a pretty effective, uh, you know, fits the atmosphere of whatever you're doing there. Mm -hmm. I, I hope the game uses enough gray to make what that kind of sound. There. You were not born yet in 1994. I was 12 when this game came out. How old were you in 94? Four. Oh, yeah, you were born in 90. That's right. Yeah. That's how I should be able to tell. 89. Me. 89. Oh, yeah. You're like very slightly older than my brother-in-law who was born in 90. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Ah, uh, you were four. Turning five. But four yeah. for yeah, yeah, most of the year. Yeah. Alright. <clears throat> it was it was it was it was nice. It was definitely not twenty twenty yet, in so many ways. Yeah, so I don't really have much else on this particular track. Um I thought the soundtrack was pretty cool. I know a lot of people who I think would like this a lot. Um but yeah. I like that weird like Hitting a plastic, an empty plastic drum sound. Yeah. There was some really cool use of sample here. It's actually a really long loop, and I kept kind of wanting, waiting to see what the next phrase yeah. would be. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, yeah, but I think that's going to be it for me. So, Shukapal, where are we going to? What platform are we hmm. jumping to next? I think the next platform we're board boarding will be Spelunky. Ooh. This is one of the games I was m referencing earlier when I was talking about like early indie games that kind of jump-started the indie scene. Uh, this one, and probably what your next track is going to be, um, is... Yeah, it was really, really good stuff. Um, uh, and 
kind of jump-started that whole scene back in the early aughts, or the mid-aughts. And this game was remastered in 2013, right? Which uh, version did we pick from? Hmm. I, I should be able to tell you. What's the name of the song? Um, this is Olmec Boss 1. Okay, yeah, this I'm pretty sure was from the remaster, because uh, I think that they just had, like, one repeating boss theme in the original Spelunky, so. Alright, Boss 1 from Spelunky, Olmec. And that was Almec from Spelunky, released in 2008 for Steam and composed by Eric Serke. Yeah, I think that he did the remaster. Let me actually look that up. What did you think of that music prop, Jeff? I really liked it. It didn't sound very Almec. But it sounded more it sounded more mecha than Olmec. <laughs> but it was really it has a really nice beat. And it just, I just love the sense, and I love the way that the melodies like interweaved, and that it kind of, you know, as always, it told the story and it communicated a sense of risk and tension. Yeah, I really liked. I thought it was really effective boss music. The 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 first area, I liked the the fade outs. Um, really, really nice effects there. Um, and I liked how at the end of each of those first phrases, it would go do 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 and lead into the next one, which was kind of a precursor to the second, the B section, the do 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 And I could see that happening just like right when the boss fight was ramping up. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of Spelunky gameplay because until the recent Nintendo Direct announcement that they were coming to Switch, I never thought that I'd be able to get these games, and so I never really looked too deep into them, um, even when we played the Yeti theme on the Christmas episode, um, which you commented that you really liked that theme, but that the art style of Spelunky is never really... Yeah, I was about to say, I think the mascot is rather ugly. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's just kind of a dumpy guy. He looks like a Playmobil figure. <laughs> um, uh, Sorry if you designed the Splunky person. <laughs> yes, so George Buzinkai and Jonathan Perry were the original composers for Splunky, and Eric Surke came back and did the remake music. Uh, some of which was um, remixes of the original compositions, but a lot of which was original stuff for the remake, since it had a lot more music in it. So, Shukapal, why did you pick this song from Spelunky? Because I imagine you listen to other stuff. What do you think it is about this one that stood out? I know why you picked it, because you thought it was the best one you heard, but what was it about it that made it stand out to you? I mean, boss fight, I guess. I mean, he's kind of like a... The, the guy, like, looks like a golden version of that, that one boss in the Sand Kingdom in Mario Odyssey, except without the fist. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. The Tostarina ruins, like, the, this big face like, mm. mask boss. Yeah. Uh, so it look, may look like an Olmec, even, even if it doesn't sound like an Olmec. And who is Olmec, Prof Jeff? So I can't remember. I always get the Olmecs and the Toltecs mixed up because they were both um, civilizations that disintegrated by the time the um, Spanish conquistadors came over the ocean. Nobody um, expects the Spanish Inquisition. They really did not. <laughs> oh, oof. Oof. Uh, too, too soon, actually. <laughs> uh, I was reading in the Popol Vuh... Even though the... it happened thousands of years ago, still too soon. Hundreds. Hundreds, not thousands yet. Well, the Olmecs were thousands of years ago. Maybe. Maybe. But the Spanish Inquisition wasn't. It was hundreds, yeah. I know math. A little bit of math. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently don't know math or history. <laughs> yeah, apparently the Mayans were actually very good at math. So I've been the reading um, the Popol Vuh... The, the What? It was from <laughs> the history of the entire world, I guess. The Mayans have figured out the stars. You should watch it. It's a video. Yeah, they were only eight years early for the end of the world, too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, too soon. All right. Yeah, you've been reading the the, yeah. the, the Purple Voo? Yeah, the Purple Voo, the Mayan Book of Council. So in the... I think, yeah, in the 16th, the 16th century, there was, um, I believe, a friar, some sort of inquisitional figure named Diego de Landa who decided to burn all 10,000 extant Mayan codices. And so the Popol Vuh was was a Mayan language book transliterated into Roman characters that was reconstructed and sort of recreated by a secret team of like Mayan speakers in the 18th century. Um, and the introduction that I was reading, because I mean, if there's if only one book survives from like the entire civilization of a continent from like thousands of years, I figured I might as well read it, right? Um, yeah. So, apologies if that sounds flippant. I'm dealing. I'm trying to deal with the collective trauma of history, and um, yeah, apparently they like the Olmecs according to the introduction. And so this was Splunky. The guy is like looking. Is you know the Splunky guy is of course is a new or, new style Orientalist. You know, looking at the ruins of a civilization his ancestors most likely destroyed. Yep. Yay! <laughs> Didn't know it was gonna get that heavy. Did you? <laughs> Nope. Yeah, history. It make, history. Getting a history degree makes you fun at parties. You should try it. <laughs> but the music's really cool. It is. <laughs> I think they. I feel like someone. This probably exists on YouTube. But I feel like if you had like a drum woodwinds vocal mix, then you can oh, probably yeah. you could probably make it sound like sort of more Maya. Of course, Mayans and Olmecs aren't the same, but you can make it sound more Mesoamerican. Exactly. It'd yeah. be really sick. But um, the game looks 
fun, even though. <laughs> I have never heard a more pronounced ellipsis in question mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I I'm very evocative when I speak. That's why my students love me. Yes, I was trying to think of some nice linguistic, cool way to say something about punctuation, but I couldn't think of another. Yeah, punctilious. We just uh, go like English mean? teacher. Religion expert. Religion expert. Yeah. Pokemon master. They call me a guru. <laughs> no, no, that's a joke. Start calling you Guru Jeff. No. Guru Jeff. There's Guru Larry though. English teacher, religious guy. <laughs> that came out. Not necessarily religious guy. Actually yeah. An irreligious guy. Well, I, I don't. Religion. religion doesn't exist. Ooh. And then Pokemon master. Pokemon master. Um. Yeah, I definitely tell my students so what, I'm not qualified to give them any any spiritual advice, and they have not disputed me on that yet. We've got three very different types of people here. And I'm going to gloss over the fact that the guy who did a whole episode with us about religion and games just said religion, says, religion doesn't exist. And we're going to go on to your next track, sir. Just like gender. Um, yeah, so... Um, um, all right, on that a note... a made up by bathroom companies to sell more bathrooms. <laughs> I think I spit on your laptop because that was so funny. <laughs> That's okay. He's a teenager. You don't want to think about what's on his laptop anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that a sleeper hit from Bedroth. Nice. I have to like, put a notice on this episode. Or maybe, like, maybe more of like a shaking bed joke than a sleeper joke. Beware, this episode is rated PG-13. <laughs> yeah. Pokemon is on my laptop. All right. Oh. Guard of War. So I was going to... Oh, gonna... no. Jeff, please move on. Uh, God of War used charm. It's super effective. Um, squirt is squirt a move? Okay. <laughs> so I, I was just going to talk about because I said on that note, and I was going to talk about boss music because this this new track is very very bossy. Um, so this is. Um, so what's significantly less horrifying than colonialism is vampires. And, and this is um, the song called Young Descendant of Te- Tepish from Toho Luna Nights, composed by, um, or cre- developed by Team Ladybug um, for Steam. And I think it's coming to Switch soon. And yeah, so Young Dependent of Tepish is my song, and it's very bossy. And we're going to heighten the tension and lower the awkwardness. Go!
went some places. Yeah, so that was Young Descendant of Tepesh. Um, Tepesh, rather. It's a Dracula reference. Um, original compositions by Zune, the creator of the Toho series. Um, and this arrangement was possibly by Peposoft, according to Steam. Yeah, yeah, saw that on the Steam um, soundtrack page, which apparently this soundtrack, even though the music is great, the soundtrack itself was not very well produced, and so that's kind of kind of sad. This was really cool, and um, so it, is this like from other Toho games originally, or I don't know. Yeah, okay. actually, actually, mostly play. This is probably my favorite Toho game. Um, because Toho is Toho is what's called a doujin game, so it was originally is a small scale sub self published um, series by a guy named Zune. I believe it's a guy, um, a Japanese yeah. person, uh, a singular person. Yes, and I had yeah he has uh, like Team a Alice swarm or something of bees. his development studio name, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just him. And he, uh, I have his name on one of our other ones. It'll be in the show notes because uh, I have talked about it before back when I called it Tuhu and. Uh, Derek, one of the hosts of EGM Lounge, got mad at me. <laughs> Friend Lily mad at me. Yeah, he beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, Toho. So, mm-hmm. uh, what's a doujin? Uh, doujin is a... Doujin horse. <laughs> it's an independently published game that's usually small-scale, generally. Um, it's often given away for free, but sometimes it's just like a small labor of love. It's like indie, but like hyper-indie. Generally you. like one or two people. And is it so? Is is with Toho? Even though he made it, it's like public domain, right? Yeah. People and so this was by them. Team Ladybug, which is different from Team Alice, right? Um, and so they created this particular game. So most of the Toho games are shooters, um, but since the Toho games, um, the Toho characters are freely sort of used and licensed between different fan games. Some like Luna Knights are purchasable. Um, then this was an entirely different set of developers. Um, well, Team Ladybug also recently, they're currently working on a game called Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth, which is based, it's a licensed game based off of the 90s anime record of Lotus War. Lotus? Lotus War. Um, with classic Dungeons and Dragons style anime. Um, and it has a similar gameplay as. Um, Toho Luna Knight's soundtrack isn't quite as masterful. Um, so Young, De- Young Descendant of Tepish gets its name from... So the, the plot is um, this entire game takes place in the Scarlet Devil Mansion owned by Romelia Scarlet, the resident vampire of Gensokyo, which is the sort of little town where all this takes place in. Yeah. So the plot of Toho is that it's a town that's populated entirely by little anime girls and one of them is a shrine priestess and she just shoots spell scrolls at spirits and exercises them and has magical dog fights in like bullet hell style okay and so with this it's oh it's inside of the scarlet devil mansion which is owned by this vampire and so you're actually playing as the vampire's maid uh, Sakuya Izayoi, and she can stop time and throw knives at people, which could definitely solve all my problems if I could do it. <laughs> um, that seems like a nice combination of, of skills there. Yeah, and so you're just like walking, you're climbing your way through a castle, and you have to just beat, you have to stab people who are in your vampire's magic house, basically. 
Okay. And so this is, you know, when you're climbing up the towers in this big magical castle. It actually reminded me a lot of, um, so like I was going to think of, I was going to do a balcony song from Blasphemous, a game by Game Kitchen that I had that had really beautiful music. But this particular track, I just couldn't pass up because it encompassed all of the sort of dynamism I want in a platform game. And just Blasphemous came out uh, last year, right? I don't know. Maybe it's. It feels like it's been a very long time since last year. Yeah, it does. Is there like is there actual platforming in Blasphemous? Yeah, tons. Okay, I thought it was mostly like a side-scrolling, like more like a Souls-like thing where you're having to beat up these really powerful. There's no. There's no dodge roll. Oh. Okay. So it's not that Souls-like. It's more like, more of the aesthetics. Okay. Um, but there's like lots of platforming. That makes sense. Yeah, the aesthetics were really memorable when I saw the the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. <laughs> But this was a lot of fun. The music really went some places. Like this was a crazy composition, and it was it was very well put together because you can't be that random and crazy and like thrown together and then be able to come back to it in such a smooth and meaningful way if you don't know what you're doing. And there's like little gasps of, gasps of air too. Is that when you get to the slow piano sections, it feels earned? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that feels like a relief from attention, not just the composer being lazy or maybe the, compo- the conductor's arm getting tired with the orchestra or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there were parts of this that reminded me of a, um, a story that you'll appreciate and that Shukapau knows. Uh, my, oh, yeah. Uh, I was a drum major <laughs> my senior year of high school. Oh, you told me this a long time ago. Yeah, and um, <laughs> my very last performance as a drum major was over Thanksgiving week, and our lead drum major was out because his parents had made plans, even though our band director didn't want us making plans because of that whole thing. So I stepped up as lead drum major, and like a third at least of our band was gone, and so we just performed a couple of our same songs on the field. So we got up there and a couple of, you know, the first two songs went pretty well, they were fine, but we got to the last song of the night, which was Land of a Thousand Dances. And I started composing it, or I started conducting it. <laughs> Compose. I composed Land of a Thousand Dances. <laughs> Just really, really quickly, in front of a crowd. For anybody who doesn't know, Land of a Thousand Dances is about at this tempo. That's Land of a Thousand Dances. I started conducting it at this tempo. That's a Land of a Thousand Dirges. And then I realized... Funeral for a Dead Dancer. And I thought, you know what? I'm a senior. I know all these kids... These these are my classmates. They'll follow me if I try to slowly speed back up and get us up to the right speed. And about half of them did. <laughs> and the result was a cacophony that sounded not unlike parts of this song, but unlike this song, it did not come back together. Maybe if they like had a dead cow remix. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that D- was dying cow. That's what I mean. Dead dying, cows are quieter. Dying cow remix. Yeah. But unlike that, this song did come back together, and like you said, there was some very nice breaths of fresh air. I like, I like the little, I like the little crunchy noise. It sounded like someone winding a clock. Crunchy noise. So, is this a boss theme? No, it's a, it's um, a transition theme. Okay. I should also mention the whole soundtrack is this awesome. This is just my absolute favorite song. Cool. But they're all there's some really great. The secret boss um, where you fight like the shrine maiden was really fun. Had more like traditional Japanese sounds in it. But this one was my favorite. I think this one is like when you're going up to fight the vamp, your vampire mistress's sister. 
And by mistress, I mean boss, for clarification. <laughs> well, my next soundtrack is also like that. I picked the song that stood out to me the most when I listened to it, but it uh, the whole soundtrack is really fun. Um, and you can find it on Bandcamp. Where I can, I will post the composer's Bandcamp pages on the show notes as well. And I almost downloaded this game. I actually might with uh, this handy-dandy Christmas present that I just got from a really good friend today. <laughs> um, but I did not quite. I did not pick this game up. I picked up some of the other ones I've mentioned on Discord. But I probably will go back and pick up this game because it looks kind of fun. Um, this is a boss theme. It's actually the final boss theme, and it's from the slightly unfortunately named Reknum. <laughs> R-E-K-N-U-M Reknum uh, and this is the theme that plays when you fight the final boss the sorceress was The Sorceress from Reknum, composed by uh, Ines Miras. Uh, she is also known as Senesita on Bandcamp. And this was released for Switch and PS4 on January 31st of this year, 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> uh, in Reknum, you play the role of Princess Cherry, or Cherry, C-H-E-R-I, who must advance through six completely explorable zones... Loot chests with crystals that will increase her passive skills in order to advance. Like like insight and uh, and stealth. Yeah. Uh, The game has the autosave feature, so you can move at your own pace and devote to explore each area thoroughly. Okay, this has to be... (laughs) Okay, this is from, like, the the game studio's official, like, description of this, and I'm pretty sure that they're based 
outside of the U.S. So yeah, I'm going to start this over. In Reckonum, you play the role of Princess Sherry, who must advance through six different completely explorable zones, loot chests with crystals that will increase her passive skills in order to advance. The game has the autosave feature, so you can move at your own pace and devote to explore each area thoroughly. <laughs> each zone introduces different elements, which must be evaluated in order to be able to advance. With the Reckonum. To examine how to advance to examine the behavior of the enemies, and to fight bosses in the pure style of the NES will be your day-to-day -day in the game. <laughs> the game has elements that make it very characteristic. Ah! <laughs> of the right 8-bit characters, 16-bit backgrounds, and bosses, all with modern effects to give life. The music section is also special. <laughs> Composed by Ines Miras. She gives a twist to the gameplay since it has a bass structure in 8-bit with modern music and instrumental arrangements. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know what I copied and pasted when I first <laughs> added that to my playlist. That was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> so, but, yeah, um, this soundtrack is actually it's really cool. Uh, there is an 8-bit version and a more modern version. Um, it, because the game has different like styles that you can play it in. And um, there's another game, I think, uh, Battle Princess Madeline, actually, another platform, but it's more ghouls and ghosts-like than uh, action platformery. Um, but it has the same kind of motif, where there's like a classic soundtrack and a modern soundtrack. A lot of games are going for this these days. Um, Panzer Paladin does it, too. And another game that Shukapal compared this sound to has not really modern, but 8-bit and 16-bit soundtracks, right? Mm-hmm. And that game is? The Messenger. Yeah. Uh, this game, it doesn't sound like The Messenger to me as far as the actual sound samples themselves, but it, the, the composition is reminiscent, I think, of that Messenger sound. That sort of, like, super postmodern rock sound, but along with Eastern sensibilities and some of the instruments. Uh, but this was really fun. I liked it a lot. I liked the, the keyboard instrument uh, synth that was kind of the, the star of the show. Uh, what did you think, Project? I just really love the vocal, um, the vocal hits. You said it sounded like a bass choir. Yeah, it's just like this boom or like boom. Oh, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Wait, is that is that Katamari Damacy? Oh, oh, oh. No, that's um, Rayman. It's oh, episode yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. Yes, they use, they use Sanskrit yeah. in that. Actually, I can read things. Nice. Duel of the Fates. Now, although I was actually thinking more of like the dwarf choir sound in the Mines of Moria in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to hear the remaster of this song in Reckoning. Re Reckoning. <laughs> you mean Re Reckoning? <laughs> Reckoning. Or you better Reckoning Numb and Nummer. <laughs> oh, good night, ladies and gentlemen. That's all, folks. Oh, uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was that was really cool, really good stuff. <sighs> Sugar Pow, what do we got for us next? We've exhausted the rectum. Yeah, we've exhausted that. Yeah, we're going we're, on to the desert. I'm kind of wiped out. This is <laughs> Meltdown Two from Cave Story. Ooh. Why don't you tell us a little about your experience with Cave Story? When you were talking about a game that RJ really likes, that you kind of started playing recently, um, I thought you were talking about this game. So, because you like the soundtrack a lot, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you play as this like little robot, quote, and you go to this, uh, this 
this village called Mamiga Village, where a bunch of Mamigas live. Or, more accurately, like, three Mamigas. And this is another, yet another game that has, like, different iterations of its soundtrack, right? Yeah, uh, it's got the original one and the remastered one. Um, and the original was by the actual game developer, right? Yeah, Nicholas... No, wait, that was... Was that the... We were corrected by Utopia Nemo on this early on in the show, so I gotta be careful. Um, I actually don't know. I don't know if the composer... I want to say Daisuke Amaya? Or Chipsel? Daisuke. Daisuke, yes, thank you. Um, but I don't know for Sasuke. sure. Uh, maybe we can look it up and we'll come back and talk about it some. But which version are you playing? Uh, this is the remastered one. So that would be Ridiculon, I think. Yeah, but no, it's Nikalis Nika- is the one who did the remaster. Sasuke... Yeah, so, okay. And what is the song again? Meltdown 2. And where does this play in Cape Story? Uh, it plays in Sand Zone. It's just Sand Zone. You couldn't, you couldn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That was Meltdown 2 from Cave Story, released in 2004, originally composed by Daisuke Amaya and Daisuke Amaya. Um, I don't say Sasuke when you're talking about your Naruto. <laughs> uh, and the remake was either composed by Nicholas Nigren, Danny Baranowski, uh, uh, Ridiculon, and I forgot the other one. Uh. Dustin Kulwicki. Yes. Yeah. I think that all of them have versions of the soundtrack on the Switch, so you guys should go look them up because they're all really good. Cave Story, Daisuke Amaya's original compositions were just, they were so solid, so stellar, that they're very easily remixable. Kind of like Toby Fox's compositions that way, actually. <laughs> that was really cool. I, I liked, I dug it. Um, I, I love the Cave Story soundtrack. It's a very bouncy, very very upbeat. Uh, it definitely has a retro feel to it, but with a kind of a modern sensibility. I don't know, there wasn't like a certain part of the soundtrack that jumps out at me, but I really like this one. Nice pick. 
Yeah. Thanks. I could I, use a pick me up. I this like how, yeah, I like how bright it was, and I like how synthy it was. I like the sort of I don't know that sort of whirring noise at the beginning. I don't know what it is exactly. Um, and then there was also this like one riff where it's the the entire song stopped and it was like do 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 do, and it like kind of had this trill thing. It's very pixelated. I don't know how to describe music. <laughs> I can describe I can describe Mesoamerican history better than music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that. No, it wasn't you. It was actually Logan on uh, it was Ed's son on VG Embassy who described the sound as pixelated once, and it kind of stuck. <laughs> so. Pixelated audio. Yeah. There you go. That's yet another VGM podcast. Yay. Yay. All right. That was really cool, though. I enjoyed that. Nice, bright, upbeat stuff. Do you, by any chance, have anything like that, sir, for your last pick of the night? Yeah. So now we're going from the very creatively named Sand Zone to the Sunset <laughs> Heights. Um, this is from Spark the Electric Jester. Oh, Spark. Um, That's that possum guy we talked about, right? No, it's, this, this is different. Oh yeah, that's Mark Stir. Yeah, this is a slightly like less less. Um, it's it doesn't change the world like Rocket Knight Adventures does, but it's really <laughs> wonderful. Uh, it's definitely like one of the best games of its time as a um, you know a Sonic inspired game. It was actually uh, let's see, 20, released in twenty seventeen. So this is um, like a Steam game, and this is Sunset Heights from Spark the Electric Jester. That was Sunset Heights from Spark the Electric Jester. Um, game was developed by Feppard. Uh, composers include James Landino, uh, Pedjman Ruzbe, I'll do my best, my apologies, Paul Berthers, Michael Staple, 
Andy Turnstall, and Falk Al Young. That was a smooth, tasty jam right there. That right there, man. Oof. I'm going to have to recommend some of this, uh, this soundtrack to Hammock of KVGM The Last Wave. If you like this song, you will like The Last Wave. It's really jazzy, really smooth, and oh, this is... This was so nice. Nice way to end your round of tracks. We'll see if the actual playout track is going to be this smooth. But <laughs> oh man, just the sense, the 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 snappy, just R and B feel. Um, I like the the sort of muted vocal samples from the back. And yeah, that was good stuff. Shukapau, what are your words? That was definitely very smooth. How so? It just was. <laughs> Instruments? Um. Like, what, what do you think? How do you think the composer, as a composer yourself, how do you think the composer accomplished this feat of smoothness? I guess, like, the percussion, just like that, that steady beat. Yeah, the synthy drums. Yep. Yeah. Call that a drum loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sonic clones love loops. Yes. <laughs> so this uh, game plays like a Sonic game. Yeah. So it's 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 like a cross between like Sonic Kirby and Rocket Knight because there's a lot of different powers you can have and you can also charge. The combat system is really great. Um, I think if this game were like a little, the soundtrack is wonderful. But if the game were just a little bit more polished, um, then it kind of would beat out. It would have beaten out the messenger as like my favorite sort of. Sega-like game. Hmm. Um, it doesn't quite get there, but it goes there a lot. So Spark the Last Group Jester is actually just a dude. He's like a jester with electric powers, and he like loses his job as a circus jester to like a robot, and so he goes on a trip. And eventually, he like stops an evil robot from destroying the world. But plot's kind of convoluted. At some point, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like kind of a cartoony guy. He's like this. He looks like Rystar, yellow gumball from, head. Um, he does kind of look like Rystar, except without the star. He's yeah. Well, he has like a little. He, he has, has like the, the circle, the yellow circle with a jester hat. Yeah, yeah. I think he has. It's like I think he has like Super Saiyan hair for a face. <laughs> okay. And like a little jester hat. I think it's it's cute. Um, yeah. So, if you took music from that opening track from Rocket Knight and Kirby and Sonic, do you think it would sound like this, Shukapo? I don't know. <laughs> I, well, do not it, think so. I don't think. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like straight up. So, my favorite composer is Hideki Naganuma, the guy, the mastermind behind a lot of Jet Set Radio music. Oh, cool! Yeah. Mine's Grant Kirkhope, the best composer ever. I mean, okay, that I, I I'm not I'm, I'm not going to insult either of those. Uh, geniuses by weighing them against each other. They're very. I mean, it's 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 east and west. It's apples and oranges. Yeah, it's bears and birds. But um, he also did like Sonic Rush. This is like my second stealth Sonic. I thought it was track. the birds and the bees. Yeah, um, Yeah. And it's it's like it's like if he would have like the same in terms of like the sort of bouncy popness. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but there's this very like sort of. Um, Dance, this sort of dance beat thing he has. Um, I like the muted vocal samples, but it sounds like mm-hmm. a remix of a son- like a pre-existing Genesis Sonic track. I could um, hear that. Yeah, like I, then, I do feel like if Sonic had continued 
really fully evolving along the original Genesis lines in yeah. the modern era instead of the whole like 3D recreation that happened. This is something like the music that it would sound like. And um, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite composers, especially on his Genesis work, and that's uh, Yuso Koshiro, uh, who you know, did a lot of like the house dance, um, uh, you know, the, that, that sort of sound, mm-hmm. um, especially on like Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, this song also, there's, there's aside from like the, the vocal, which I love, because this mm-hmm. s- somehow like manages to get vocals into like an old like Sega Genesis style song without making it feel out of place, mm-hmm. there's also the modem chirp. Um, yep. I know I noticed it because I kept thinking that my cat wanted to snuggle with me while I was playing this song, but no, it's just the music. Um, he's always down to snuggle, coincidentally, so he's okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I, you pointed out that it's your favorite section, but the part where everything gets kind of muted mm-hmm. and things, certain parts drop out. Yeah. I commented that it sounded kind of like the underwater version yeah. of the song. But yeah, that part it was really cool. It's it's also interesting. So like this song has probably one of the least has one of the slowest and like least remarkable entrances as of like the other ones. Like for example, the other song I was gonna play was Flower um, Flower Mountain Canyon. Yes, um, where it was more it has a really great sort of intro riff, but I don't like the rest of the song as much as this one. Mm. Um, they also they also made a sequel to Spark the Electric Jester that was based off of Sonic Adventure. Um, but then I like bought it and started playing it, and they didn't dub the voices with terrible voice actors, so it was canceled, and I just could not deal with it. It was oh, just man. too far from the source material. I apologize, but it just it just you know it needs to have crappy voice acting with like bad <laughs> sampling, otherwise it just doesn't feel the same. Even if they did do like the Crush Forty esque um, rock numbers, <laughs> but yeah, I just so maybe check out the soundtrack, but skip the game if you're not a purist when it comes to uh, classic era 3D Sonic dialogue. <laughs> yeah, but really, like the the first game is really has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard, and it's a nice way of sneaking in like a stealth Sonic game into this without making it actually be a Sonic game. Do <laughs> Sonic clones tonight. Yeah. Um, and it's funny how many of them have like electric themes. You know, you got like well, Sparkster, but that's not a Sonic clone. You got yeah. you have, uh, Socket. You've got Spark the Electric Jester, um, and this was cool. Fun stuff, I liked it a lot. Really smooth way to start rounding up this this awesome episode, which has had a real diversity of music on it. I've been very, very pleasantly, I've been very pleased with how this has gone. Not really surprised, but pleased with how this whole show has gone. I was also pleased to realize partway through that I thought I only had four picks tonight, but the way the rotation went, I actually have five. And so I pulled one of my alternates out of um, The Rebel, a couple of other um, honorable mentions that I've got before I play my last song. Actually, no, let's start with you. What are some honorable mentions of yours that didn't quite make the list? Um, I was going to play um, Scab or Die from um, The End is Nigh, which is kind of, it's not that obscure because it's recent, but it's Ed McMillan, the mastermind behind Super Meat Boy and Binding of Isaac, mm. had a game that's kind of like a combination between the two and that it's you know depressing and kind of traumatic in terms of plot and aesthetics but the platform the plat it's like platforming like super meat boy mm-hmm. and it's also traumatic because it's extremely difficult <laughs> um and it's just really it's even more difficult and harder to access than super meat boy uh, but it you know it kind of go- works with the gloomy aesthetics because the idea is that this guy's the apocalypse happened, and this guy's uh, NES cartridge, the end is nigh, stopped working, 
which is really, really great. The intro is super funny. <laughs> um, but he wants, he has to go and make a friend. He's like a little black blob named Ash, and he has to like collect the uh, animate tumors from dead bodies so he can make a friend. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> wow. Oh wow. Okay. But all, all the all the songs are remixed, um, are like remixed classical pieces, and so Scabbard died as Night on Bald Mountain, and it's a really sick chip tune. If you had played that, that would be the second time you brought Night on Bald Mountain yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> it's not not quite as innovative and brilliant as the one from Earthworm Jim, though. Well, maybe I'll throw it under the uh, blooper reel for, yeah. for today. It sounds like it might be a nice. Person. Oh, that would be pretty. That would be pretty impressive. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead and play my last track, and then I'll talk about some of my honorable mentions. And this one, which went from honorable mention to honorable closeout track for me, is from the game Sleepwalker. The name of the track is Graveyard. A little bit more about this song and the composer who has become a favorite of mine as of late when we come back. was Graveyard from Sleepwalker, released for Windows, Commodore 64, Amiga, and Amiga CD32, Atari ST, all in 1993, later ported to DOS and adapted for the SNES under the Eek the Cat license in 1994. And this track, as well as the rest of the soundtrack, was composed by Barry Leach. Man, this was jazzy. This was good stuff. Ugh. Barry Leach has become one of my like favorite composers this year. Um, I first got introduced to him, I'm pretty sure, by Ed from VG Embassy. Uh, played one of Barry Leach's tracks earlier, uh, back on episode 10. Um, a track from, oh, what was it? Uh, uh, 
Horizon Chase Turbo, the racing game from earlier this year, uh, which was actually um, sort of a love letter to Barry Leach's, uh, or another soundtrack Barry Leach worked on, um, Top Gear, a racing mm-hmm. game from back in the, the 90s. And um, I've heard a lot of his more like upbeat stuff, and so when I heard this, I was really, really pleasantly surprised. It was... Mm-hmm. The guy knows his way around some jazz instruments and the, the implementation I'm always super impressed this was the Amiga uh, CD32 version uh, which the third time we've come back to that tonight that mm-hmm. system um, it's been that's been nice I think that when you came last time I actually tried to bring more stuff but tonight it was more just by happenstance because the games happened to be kind of cool and the soundtracks were really nice and but yeah, this was cool. And apparently, according to at least one of the YouTube comments, I saw the Amiga 32 had the most like full sound version of any of the of mm. the versions. Which, looking at some of the other stuff, like the C64 and the Atari ST, that doesn't surprise me. Um, this is the only Redbook quality audio, I think. So, that was really good. Chukavau, what did you think of that? That was definitely really cool and jazzy like that. That muted trumpet was really cool. The the run that the trumpet did toward the toward the end. Yeah, was, uh, I'd die. Yeah, <laughs> I had to go back and listen to it twice. <laughs> um, you played an instrument in band. I think we talked about this yeah, last trombone. time. That Shukapal really wants to learn to play. Yeah, his arms are long enough. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I think he he does plan on getting one at some point, kind of teaching himself. He's and he's got such a good sense of pitch. You commented on it with mm-hmm. like he has yeah. a really nice natural sense of pitch. Well, you can also you can also do like half tones because like there are other mm-hmm. in other musical um, theories from like non-European bases, they have like other notes that aren't recognized in the traditional eight-point scale. Yeah, like the Arabian scale has a, yeah. like it's like a twelve-note scale or something like that. Something, or, yeah. Yeah, they they definitely they emphasize half tones. I think sometimes even quarter tones in the in some of the other yeah the non-Western like you said traditions. Yeah, I'm I'm much I'm more familiar with the Indian from but mostly from hearing it, not from knowing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I know what some of the musical terms mean in Sanskrit, but I don't know what they mean like orally. Like I don't know what they sound like. Well, and I'd be curious to know how much our ears would even pick up on it. Like you hear yeah. some of those experiments of like people going into like deep, deep, um, like I hate to use this word, but for lack of a better word, primitive, like jungle tribes and showing them the color blue, for example, yeah. but their civilization hasn't evolved to the point where they need or even understand the color blue. And mm-hmm. so it just looks like a shade of green to them. Ah, uh, yes. Safer warf hypothesis. And I feel like the, the quarter tones and a lot of the other music would just kind of fly by us. Well, it sounds out of tune. More native listeners. Which is hear. very, which is very interesting. Yeah, it does. Cause um, so it's very much like us being unable to put like, people being un- unable to pronounce words outside their native languages because mm. the sounds are different. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the like the muscles in their mouths required to make those noises haven't developed. Steve McDyckel. <laughs> we can't make the right mouth noises. I rec- Mario Mc- I recognize <laughs> that. That's the baseball players. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's the best thing ever. And a little tease there. Todd Gonzalez. I think we're going to have to do a baseball episode next season just so we can play that on the podcast. You can bring those like yeah. super sentai baseball players back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, 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 from the Ninja episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was such oh, a fun yeah, soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that one. What, what uh, was it called? Su- uh, Super Baseball Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Ninja Baseball Batman. Yeah, That's Ninja, what it was. Ninja Baseball Batman. <laughs> nice. Oh. So they call me in the cage fighting league underground <laughs> in my city. Um, oh. I'm Vengeance and I'm the Knight. 
Um, but back, uh, back to that track, I like how it started with the jazz. It started like a Scooby-Doo graveyard, and then when the car kicked in, it went to a Castlevania graveyard. Yes. That's kind of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a very... I can describe music, but not using musical terms. Yeah, I mean, hey, we uh, if you can't speak a language... It's synesthesia. Talk around it as That's well as That's what I think of. There you go, synesthesia, yeah. I really... I loved the anvil sound. That's supposed to be like the chiming of the clock. Yeah. And so this game um, I just is... love... I love vocals and songs. <clears throat> so... On the SNES, there was a licensed version, or a licensed game based on Rocco's Modern Life called Spunky's Big Adventure. <laughs> Spunky is Rocco's dog um, from, from the cartoon. Yeah. And in this game, Spunky will just go along and just walk kind of like a, a lemming from the lemmings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll, he'll just eat, like, eat whatever's in his path, go wherever. And as Rocco, you have to go around the level and like shape the level around Spunky so that he won't die. That's why. That's when I walk my cat, Teek the cat. Oh, it rhymes with Eek the cat, but it's different. <laughs> that, that sounds like uh, uh, that that Mario game where you like have to baby Mario the, Wait, no, the wind up the, the little yeah, the Mario dudes. Mario and Donkey Kong uh, yeah. Mario versus Donkey Kong minis. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like parenting. You'll figure it out this, this if game, you feel like it later. If you this feel game like it's about a boy named Lee and his blob. Well, actually, not his blob, but his dog named Ralph. <laughs> and Lee is a sleepwalker. Mm-hmm. And you play as Ralph going through the level well, cute. and making sure that Lee doesn't die. <laughs> or wake up because you're not supposed to wake a sleepwalker. So your goal is to try to get him back into bed. Um, and if Lee wakes up, the player loses a life. And if it happens three times, the game is over. So that's... Yeah. So actually, mm-hmm. in ancient India, 500 years before the birth of Christ, they actually documented that same thing that you're not supposed to wake up a sleeper because the soul's outside their body and they're just going to die if you do it. I mean, that's probably not scientifically why. No, but they, 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 do, they, do docu- it, they but documented it's... that people believed it, not that it happened. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, but, but the people believed But yeah, but I mean, that belief We is knew documented. that you weren't supposed to wake a sleepwalker, even though they didn't yeah. necessarily fully understand medically why. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's more metaphysics than medi- medicine. Yeah, meta medicine. Don't understand science? Turn to religion. But maybe don't. Take the, take the vaccine. <laughs> take the vaccine. Yeah, take, take the vaccine. Uh, here's your PSA. Unless you unless you believe in Darwin, then like, I'll, I'll follow your bliss. selection. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So um, that is what this game is about, and I imagine that in this area, um, Lee, for whatever reason, is sleepwalking through a graveyard, and you're trying to make sure he doesn't fall into graves. That's or if anyone in the graves wakes up, because then you have this whole other. <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole other type of game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so, also a little side note. This is kind of cool. The game was apparently made to promote the charity Comic Relief. Uh, all profits made from the sales of the game went to charity. Um, that's a, a British charity founded in 1985 by Richard Curtis and Lenny Henry um, in response to the famine in Ethiopia. And the whole point of it was like they got comedians and different mm. like entertainment groups together, and it just kind of grew. And uh, Comic Relief, I'm pretty sure, is still going. Um, mm. I think Michael Bridgewater, one of uh, has, has Ethiopia eaten yet? Um, I guess I guess that's a whole that's a whole other geopolitical situation. It is, yeah. There's a lot going on in Addis Ababa and the rest of Ethiopia right now, but I don't know if I mean famine. I'm sure is part of it. Yeah. But there's a yeah a lot of geopolitical unrest in the northeastern Africa right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, but Comic Relief definitely is still running. Uh, Michael Bridgewater, I'm pretty sure, is one of the... He streams and, like, gets money for it. It's either Comic Relief or another one. Follow Forever Sound version, um, and uh, you will you will hear what it is that he does toward the end of every year. And, yeah, but Sleepwalker. Uh, Graveyard, composed by Barry Leach. And I think that's going to... Oh, I was going to talk about some of my honorable mentions. Mm. Um... <clears throat> I really wanted to bring something from Commander Keen because oh, yeah. I loved the Commander Keen games back on DOS when I was a little kid, yeah. and uh, they, they were just really, really a lot of fun. Um, Commander Keen was developed by uh, id Software, the same group that eventually made Wolfenstein and Doom. Um, Commander Keen actually makes a cameo in a secret area toward the end of Doom 2. Is he the Doom Slayer's secret identity? No, but you can find a secret room and you find a bunch of Commander Keens, like, just it's like hung. The no longer Peachy Keen. They're, oh, they're, they're well, hang, yes, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and you can shoot them and the Commander Keen dies with his classic death sound, <laughs> but he, like, melts into a pile of guts. Oh. So, yeah. It's, uh, no, mm. not really like the Commander Keen games, but... I like my, I like my idea better. The, 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 <laughs> there was decent music, um, but it's, it wasn't like... Like, take off the helmet and just Commander Keen's face. That would be amazing. Like, Commander Keen all Almost as good as Sparks, now he's the, the Rocket Knight. With a bunny rabbit. <laughs> oh, the bunny rabbit, yes. Commander Keen with the bunny rabbit. Mm. Yeah, but, oh, the poor bunny. Anyway, Rip. um... Yeah, the... What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, you liked Commander Keen. I liked Commander Keen. I didn't really find any songs from any of the games that jumped out at me as much as the ones I played. Mm-hmm. So, But honorable mention, because there was some pretty good stuff out there. I also thought about bringing something from the Great Gianna Sisters. Have you ever heard of this? No. This was... I don't remember which system it was for or which publisher developed it. The sequel actually eventually came to DS, which is interesting because The Great Gianna Sisters was a 100% Mario ripoff. Like, if you look up The Great Gianna Sisters gameplay... Maybe I saw it and forgot about it's it. It's Super Mario Brothers. Like, yeah. The soundtrack, though, does not sound anything like Koji Kondo's soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more techno-y and stuff, um, a lot more like, actually kind of like Kid Chaos a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a decent soundtrack, but again, not as good as anything I actually play. So. Mm-hmm. Those are two runner-ups I want to mention. And um, before we get to Shukapau's final pick and uh, see if he has any runner-ups... I do not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, other never, than the Hollow Knight thing that I never... Yeah. yeah. I never have any. You, you know you know what you want to play, and you play it, and then you kind of stop looking. So. Yep. <laughs> That's all right. That single-mindedness will serve you well in life, especially if you do go into engineering. It's not a bad thing. Mm. Um, but uh, let me see. Um, Prof. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Can you be found anywhere online other than this podcast? I don't want to be found. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> then we will we will keep your identity a secret. Yeah. And um, uh, Prof. Jeff is um, not as secret as ours, though. Educating the um, great young the minds youths. of the world, the youths of the world, yeah. in the um, Pokemon ways of religion. But like, but like, from a his, the history, the history yeah. of religion, from a, from a his, historical standpoint, yeah, yes. like history, literary, of yeah, literary and phil- history of ideas, yes. focusing li- literature and philosophy. It's more like a education than indoctrination. Um, all education has ideological content. Very true. <clears throat> yeah, I'm very. I can get very aggressive when caffeinated. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you can find us on uh, YouTube and on Patreon and on Google and on Twitter. And, yeah, 
all the stuff that's in the show notes that we talk about at the end of every episode. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash vgmvgm, and you can join up here at the, if your New Year's resolution is to, um, you know, support more of the content that you so enjoy for free, unless you are one of our other awesome patrons who I'll mention in a moment. Uh, yeah, you can start by supporting us. You can give for as little as $1 a month for a mention on the show or just because you want to. Um, or you can uh, donate a little bit more and you can recommend songs for the show. You can vote on polls that I think there should be one going up shortly after this episode airs um, that is going to kind of list some of the topics that we might have out for Season 3, and we're going to let our patrons pick some of the topics that we're going to play um, and are going to explore. Uh, some of the other perks include Shukapau making a sprite or a little composition mm. for you. Um, another of the perks is that you can come on the show and share a little bit of your like gaming experience with us and some of the music that you love, or you can just recommend a whole topic, uh, and you can recommend all the songs or just recommend the topic and have us pick, but it's all, all up to you. Um, yeah, so if you would like to, come support us, promote us, or if you just want to interact with us, you can find us on YouTube and make your comments there. You can find us at Shukapow on Twitter. You can email us at VeryGoodMusicVGM at gmail.com. You can find Shukapow's compositions on flat.io. Just mm-hmm. look for Lloyd Irving for Smash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, lots of other stuff can be found on our YouTube channel if you want to go find all of our other episodes and all the playlists and some of our bonus content. And yeah, I think Shukapow, am I forgetting anything? Uh, I've got to do the new Among Us map theme. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you have to make a new Among Us. Yeah, Chukapau has been making music that could be played while you're playing Among Us, so if you ever want to you know, look into that, um, he's got it. Go find it. All right, Chukapau, why don't you tell us about your last track, and then we will read this out. All right, this is from Super Meat Boy. It's called Betus Blues Hospital Dark World. Um, actually... The Dark World, uh, uh, Betus Blues was the Light World one. The Dark World theme's name is Chad's Broken Wind. (laughs) (laughs) Chad's Broken Wind. What a perfect way to end this night. As Mm -hmm. as an abbreviation, C-H-A-D. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is the music from the hospital stage in, uh, in World 2. The Dark World version, which looks like it's slightly more popular. Um, and who composed this? Um, this was com- composed by Danny Baranowski. Yes. Another great. Go ahead and give us like all the information about it since we're not going to be coming back from this one since it's our, our playout track. All right. <laughs> that sounded... That did sound kind of dark. We're not coming back <laughs> from this one, boys. <laughs> Hashtag 2020. <laughs> this is released in 2010. No, we've made it to 2021. <laughs> Hopefully, this this podcast posts. If you're alive to hear this. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this was released in 2010. uh, Released for the Switch, PS4, and more. And of course, composed by Danny Baranowski. Yes. Prof Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Pleasure to have you back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back. Season 3, episode 11, whatever we decide to do. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yep. And we are going to play out with 
Hospital Dark World version from Super Meat Boy. Until next time, I'm Bedroth. And I'm Shukabal. Play very good games. Be very good people. And keep listening to very good music! Actually, what I thought you were talking about earlier when you were talking about a soundtrack that RJ really likes and a game RJ really likes that uh-huh. you played. Don't play it yet. We're talking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're still recording. The sand dial will protect us. The sand dial will protect us. All right. When was this released? Instead of holding a cross, I'm holding a sand dial. <laughs> Have mercy on our souls, Sephiroth. I thought it was supposed to be. I thought it was supposed to be like the Helix, the Helix dude, the Pokemon with the the shell and like the squid thing. Gen one. Sheldon. It's not. It's not Tentaclone. It's uh, not Sheldon. Sheldon. Uh, quack quack quack. Beep beep beep. <laughs> Whatever you're ready. <laughs> I'm recording. Ow! Oh, my glasses. Oh, my cat does that to me. It's cute. <laughs> uh, uh, that uh, was... Uh, inside of... Anime Undertale. It's a... Fumito Tamayana. Let's try that again. Well, my next song... Is nice. Uh, is also sorry. My, I don't know what words are. <laughs> yeah, they sure are better off. Getting tired. Okay. Fusion, fusion. What's your confusion? Okay, twenty twenty one. What? <laughs> <laughs> like. Should-